I read this prayer last Sunday that came out of Prayer Shield. Christy Whitlock from right here at uh, Grace had this prayer. Lord, give us the courage to live different than what our culture says is normal. Help us to choose connection with you that is of such significance that we begin to let go of the ways our society says we should think. We let go of the ways our society says we should operate and instead embrace your kingdom culture. Now, I know Christy, and when she throws out kingdom culture, that's not a word that she just routinely uses. So I paid close attention to that. She said, uh, the ways that society says we should think and operate and instead embrace your kingdom culture. Help us, Father, to come out of the world and embrace the culture of the kingdom of God. Show us, Father, what that looks like. That was the next statement. Show us, Father, what that looks like to embrace the culture of the kingdom instead of the culture of this world. Let us be spirit-led. Everybody say spirit-led. Let us be spirit-led moment by moment so that we can separate from what the world says is normal to embrace all that you have called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. So this week, the Lord went to work on that statement. Uh, Father, how do we embrace the culture of your kingdom that is a counterculture to the world? Because here's what the church has been doing. We've been a subculture in the, the dominant culture, which is highly secular and full of all kinds of abominations and sin and they call evil good and they call good evil and right they preach tolerance and that applies to everybody but us who love the word of god doesn't apply to us we have to be quiet they they would call that hate speech if we told somebody that uh their lifestyle was harmful to them uh you got to you got to bow the knee to the dominant culture and because of that the church has just been a subculture which means we're just going to run parallel with it. Now, we don't agree with it, but we, we don't really oppose it. But the, the culture of the kingdom of God stands in stark contrast to the current culture of the United States of America. It does. So the culture of the kingdom of God that, that came out of that prayer that we're to embrace the kingdom culture of our Father is an alternative culture to what's going on all around us. Now... Uh, as we said last week, it doesn't mean we run out and yell at people and be mean. And we've seen that. That probably a little bit of what got us into this mess. What was the name of that church up in Kansas that used to go? Woodbury or something? Westboro. Westboro. Oh, my gosh. So the media and the world rightfully so condemned all that. But we got lumped into all that. Everybody who loves Jesus must be like these Woodboro Baptist people. Did I say that right? Westboro. (laughs) Can I get a witness that the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ and the culture of our Father's kingdom is way different than the culture of religion. Religion is way mean-spirited, way uh, arrogant. Look down your nose. Father, I thank you. I'm not like these people. I'm way better than these people. This is not Jesus. Jesus did not teach that nor model that. So uh, anyway, that's beside the point. We're not called to blend in. We're to be an alternative culture to the current culture. 
And so I just sat with the Lord and he changed my message this week. So uh, there were some flyers out by the uh, bulletins table. I hope you got one. Just some sermon notes. Notice uh, we didn't type out the scriptures for you. I want you to read them. I want you to open your Bibles this morning or your, your phone app or whatever it is, your Bible app. And we'll look at them together. Father, thank you for the power of your word and thank you that when we operate with the kingdom of God and we walk upon the way that all authority in heaven and earth backs everything that is said. Because everything, the sum total of reality backs the preaching of the kingdom of God. And we welcome the culture of your kingdom into our hearts and into this church once again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in asking the Lord, how do we embrace God's kingdom culture and, and live as a counterculture to the world? Number one is embrace your true identity in Christ. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 through 21. And when you're there, say amen. Are you really? Don't lie to me. Let's try it one more time. If you're there, say amen. Okay. <clears throat> Look at verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we've known Christ this way, we know him that way no longer. Some of them knew Christ according to the flesh, and they shucked that. They wanted to know him spirit to spirit. The disciples knew Jesus better after he ascended than when they walked with him. Because he sent the same spirit. He wasn't next to him. He was actually inside of them teaching them now. No one knows the things of God but the Spirit of God. So until the Spirit of God moved in, they couldn't understand what Jesus was talking about. Does that make sense to you? Stop knowing. You want to you live separate from the world? Stop knowing yourself by the flesh. Amen. Ladies, as we talked about, all those things have been spoken over you, and it's not just other people. You speak them over yourselves. Stop doing that. Stop knowing yourself after the flesh and start agreeing with God Amen. that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And you look in the mirror and you see the glory of God on your life. You know, it's interesting in Jennifer Bennett's word about the refiner's fire. She was adamant in that word that the father is not angry. He's not mad. He keeps pushing away the dross. And she said, I could see him looking at us with such love, such love in his eyes for us that we're, we're finally allowing him to move away the worldliness and now this pure silver is coming forth. This purity, this pure gold is coming forth. Man, He loves you. So agree with Him. Amen. Truest thing about you is what God says about you and who you really are. I wrote a book on this called The True You. Who you really are is who you are by the Spirit. <clears throat> Going through puberty all over again, I guess. <laughs> Everybody say, by the Spirit is who I really am. Did you know 1 John 3, 9 says, whoever is born of God cannot sin? Your spirit cannot sin. You've been born again by an incorruptible seed, 1 Peter 1, 23. So if you think that when you do something dumb that it somehow makes that incorruptible seed, the Word of God, Christ Himself in you, it corrupts Him, you're wrong. It doesn't. That's why you have to understand, hey, Christ became sin without committing one, but I, but I was made right with God without doing a righteous deed. So if that's true, then you doing an unrighteous deed 
doesn't make you unrighteous. You do not taint your inner man. You're still the true you. You just got to renew your mind back to who you really are and go back to the dross thing. It's all a process. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. He just keeps pushing it away. You know, you prove how righteous you are and that the righteousness of God is at work in you every day by the things that you regret that you do wrong. Yeah. See, we want to crawl in the hole of no impact and feel sorry for ourselves. And, and while the enemy's beating the fire out of us, then we grab the bat and say, can I take over for a while? Let me just beat myself up for a while. No, you gotta, you gotta go back to him. You gotta go back to looking at him and agreeing with him and that your outer missteps don't change your inner identity. If you want to shuck the kingdom of the world, become who you are in the spirit. Live that reality. That I am who I am by the grace of God. I'm a new creation in Christ. Does that sound familiar? Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. It is a, it's a process of you becoming who you already are. And God is working. He's at work in you to will and to do His good pleasure, which is to conform you to the image of His Son. He's working. So, again, when you have that regret, that's proof that the righteousness of God is working in you. And when you celebrate doing the right thing, it's proof. That the righteousness of God is working in you. And we just let the devil move, move us off the plan because we make it all about us. And it's really about him. So if anyone's in Christ, is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Verse 18, now all things are of God who's reconciled us to himself, has reconciled you, past tense, to himself through Jesus Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. This is your ministry. It would help, it would help you be more effective minister of reconciliation if you actually believed you were reconciled. Because <laughs> by law, it's difficult to give away something you do not have. So sit down over it. Say, okay, I'm reconciled. It came through Christ. Thank you, Lord. Now I believe it. I receive it. I dance with it. This is my reality. That I have been reconciled. Verse 19, that is that God was where? Where was he? In Christ. And what was he doing that day on Golgotha? What was he doing in Christ? Reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us this word of reconciliation. Who else was in Christ uh, on the cross? Who else was there? We were. Do you see what he did there? He met you in Christ. God the Father was in Christ reconciling you the same day and time you were being crucified in Christ. Justifiably and righteously so. The wages of sin is death. Not that you lose your job. Not that God doesn't talk to you for a week. Not that your family got cancer somehow. That's not the wages of sin. It's death. So he met you in Christ the day you were being crucified and punished for your sins. Jesus didn't just die for you. He died as you. You died when he died. And the Father was there and met you in Christ. What a beautiful reconciliation. How did he do it? 
in Christ. Yeah, and where's Christ now? He's in you and he's in me. All right, next verse. Now then, everybody say now then. And when is now? (laughs) Right now, we are ambassadors for Christ. What does that word ambassador mean? Representative. What did you say, Gretchen? Okay, representative, yes. We are ambassadors, representatives for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. Look at this. We beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. How about that, guys? As I said earlier, Jesus, did he become sin? Yes, he did. Well, then why can't you believe you became righteous? You believe you became sin without committing one. How come you can't believe you're righteous even though you didn't commit a righteous deed? So what do we do with it? Believe it. Receive it. Dance with it. Number two, how do we embrace God's kingdom culture? How about you embrace the power of the Holy Spirit? How about you let Him be in charge of your services? Amen. Hadn't it been fun? A whole month of July. What a, what a fun time. Because none of us know what he's going to do. <laughs> yeah. Man doesn't live by pre, pre-programmed services. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If the Holy Spirit is still here, it seems like we ought to utilize him. So number two, to embrace the, the kingdom culture of our Father, we're going to embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. Matthew twelve twenty eight. <clears throat> Jesus said, if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God has come in your midst. When you see the devil and his minions take a beating, right? Fear has no choice but to bow. Shame has no choice but to leave the chains, etc. What are we seeing? We're seeing the kingdom of God. Well, I thought... I thought the kingdom of God is when we were dead and went to heaven. No, he brought it here. He's way more interested in getting the kingdom of heaven inside of you than he is getting you to heaven. Why is that? Because nobody in heaven needs your help. They're all here. Do you see what the devil did to us? When he reduced the kingdom to a future event. And yet Jesus' first public ministry statement was, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is here in the power of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 12, 28. If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God comes. <laughs> you want to see the demonstration of health and healing and power and liberty and freedom, then you got to welcome the Holy Spirit into your life. Amen. 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 I love that passage. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, and you shall receive... Power, dunamis power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. You'll bear witness of me, not church membership. You'll bear witness of me. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the remotest parts of the earth. You want to know why the church is losing in America? Because we're not full of the Holy Ghost and power. We don't live by it. And religion ain't going to do it. Religion will just take its seat alongside the politicians. The church in America is not bad. She's just empty. And I don't mean pews are empty. I mean the people are empty. 
And as Cindy's word came forth and these other words, we have danced with the world. Let's be honest. We just love the things of the world. We loved our vices, love our addictions. We love those things, but we don't anymore. They burned us smooth out. So now we want the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. I encourage you to pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. It's a tremendous weapon. You say, brother, where do you get that? Romans 8, 26 and 27 says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we don't know what to pray with groanings too deep for words. He's literally praying the will of God when you don't know what to pray. So pray pray in the Holy Spirit. And if you don't know how, talk, you can talk to me, talk to one of the staff, and talk to Jesus. He's the gift giver. He'll give it to you. Ephesians 6.18 is another passage. It says, pray in the Spirit at all times. Jude chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 says that when you pray in the Spirit, you're being built up on your most holy faith and it keeps you in the love of God. This is all part of embracing the power of God's Spirit. We're people of the Spirit. You want to live counter to the culture of this world? Then get empowered by the Holy Spirit and pray in the Spirit. And then 1 Corinthians 14 is the other one. Verse 14 and 15. Paul said that when I... I Sometimes I pray in the Spirit and I pray with understanding. Sometimes I sing in the Spirit and sing with understanding at other times. How about that? Literally singing in tongues. Really radical. Well, don't we need an interpretation for that? No, you don't. The gift of tongues, you've got the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Then you've got tongues as a prayer language. What you're thinking of is the gift of tongues. That one needs interpretation. That one is when it's given corporately. Brother Don Wheeler, who's not with us this morning, but is a good friend of mine, a father in the faith, two Sundays ago on July 4th, we brought all the men forward, remember, and he began to pray for them. And then he began to pray in tongues. Give a word in tongues, literally. And then he translated it. Does that make sense? And if you, you can go back to the live stream on July 4th and watch it. Many times if I uh, am praying in tongues here, I've, I sense an immediate interpretation. Because it's given publicly. That's what needs an interpretation. But if you're just praying in the Spirit, you can pray in the Spirit, sing in the Spirit. One of the evidences of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. But it's not the only evidence. I have a great teaching on this called The Truth About Tongues. We'll try to make that available to you somehow. It's super old. <laughs> but you know what? I think it's also taught in the gifts of the Spirit. And that one's just a couple of years ago. So get that one, the gifts of the Spirit. But uh, man, praying in the Spirit, what a weapon. The Lord woke me up last week. I don't know. He's waking me up all the time. But He's gracious because He lets me go back to sleep. So I'll get up for a couple of hours, like from 3 to 5 or something, and then... At 5, from 5 to 7, I'll go back to sleep. And he woke me up, cold, stone cold sober, the other day. Yeah, stone cold awake. And he said, get your pen, okay. He said, I'm awakening you to righteousness. I'm cleansing you of all unrighteousness. I'm doing something else. And then he said, I'm going to teach you the value of praying in the Spirit. 
And so 3 a.m., I'm digging through all those scriptures right there. Romans 8, 26 to 27, Ephesians 6, 18, Jude chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, 1 Corinthians 14, 14, 15. This is a weapon. And he said, Steve, I want you to begin to pray in the Spirit more and more and more because it keeps you in tune with my kingdom culture and my kingdom dynamic. (laughs) It's so funny because people walk up to me and they're like, what happened to you? (laughs) Well, uh, I'm praying in the Spirit a lot. I'm walking with the Lord a lot, and I have shucked certain sins that plagued me for a long time. By the power of God. Amen. By the power of God. I know you thought I was flawless and perfect after the flesh, but I'm here to tell you, I was not. Number three, embrace the Lordship of Jesus over every part of you. Boy, invite Him into that. Lord, I invite you to be Lord of every part of me. That's the kingdom of God. Our vision is advancing God's kingdom one heart at a time. What does that mean? We want Jesus to be Lord by the Spirit in every human's heart. Everyone in Choctaw, we want them to have the Spirit of God inside. Where they ever come to church here, that's not what we're after. We want them to know Jesus. Now, they're welcome here. I think this is a good church where they can learn about Jesus, learn about the Holy Spirit, learn to feed themselves. Let him be Lord. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Does anybody have it yet? All right, let me get the mic and I'll let you read it. 2 Corinthians 3.17.18. There you go. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Yeah, amen. You got a good voice for that. Just being radio. Yeah, your wife says we should hear you sing. No? How great is our God. We could do it. Uh, okay, so... The Lord is the Spirit. I thought Jesus was Lord. What does that mean? The Lord is the Spirit. How come he didn't say the Lord is Jesus? How Jesus is Lord and how he lords is by the... He doesn't have tanks and guns going after the U.S. government. He wants to be Lord of the president's heart. So he goes inside of a man to, to dictate behavior, love. Joy, peace. Make sense? So the Lord's the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is lording you, there is what? I love it. See, there's restrictions in the culture of the kingdom of God. There are certain things the Lord will ask Brian, ask Gretchen, ask Adrian, Patty not to do. There are restrictions in the culture of the kingdom of God, but they are restrictions unto releases, freedom, health, prosperity, not unto death, disappointment, all that. Does that make sense? It's the beauty of the culture of the kingdom. You're made for that kingdom. So what his, what God commands, your DNA actually demands. You're, he's inviting you to freedom. There are restrictions, certain things he would say, yeah, we're not like the world. We don't do that, Steve. But that's not a restriction unto bondage. It's a restriction unto freedom. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is lording, there's liberty. Man, aren't you glad he didn't say where the Spirit of the Lord is lording? There's you know, religious bondage and drudgery, duty. Right, Laura? 
<laughs> where the Spirit of the Lord is lording in a church, there's duty and obligation and death. No. Freedom. Love is the most powerful motivator in the world. And I'm not talking about the world's love is love slogan. <laughs> I'm talking about agape God's love, right? Supernatural divine love. And then Luke 6, 46 through 48. Who knows that one? You, you know it? Are you going to quote it or are you going to read it? Listen to this. Okay, why do you call me Lord, Lord, this is amplified, and do not practice what I tell you? <laughs> Everyone who comes to me and listens to my words and obeys them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a far-sighted, practical, and sensible man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and yet could not shake it because it had been securely built and founded on the rock. There you go. And they marveled at his teaching because he taught as one who taught with authority according to the nature of reality. So when he asks you to do something and you do it, all of heaven and earth backs you. All of life itself backs you. Jesus is, right? He's the life of God. John chapter 1 verse 4. And the light became the life of men. So His light lifes you. Not deaths you. So when you participate, like we're doing here at Grace Church, is we're participating with the voice of the Lord, with the kingdom. I asked him this week, I said, what do you want to do about one service, two services? He literally doesn't care. He said, I want to be Lord of however many services you have. Let me be Lord. And he said, Steve, bring the kingdom of my Father to Grace Church. Amen. And that's what we're doing. And where the Spirit of the Lord is lording, there's a lot of freedom and fun and good stuff. But Luke six forty six is sobering. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? You don't do what I say. So make Jesus Lord of every part of your life. You won't regret it. How many of you know Josh Kirkus? He's a good friend of mine. He goes here, Josh and Letty. We were talking this last week. Ever since we really made Jesus Lord, I mean really made Jesus Lord, he said, it's crazy. My appetite has changed. A lot of times I would sit down, I'd just eat and eat, and I, I wouldn't be able to stop. I just want to eat until I was really full. But he said, I don't even really crave food that much anymore. There really is, and, and that bears witness with me. Because I, I felt the same way, that even my appetite, think of that word, appetite, has diminished for natural things. Yeah. But it's, it's been a no unto a yes of divine things. My appetite is, uh, is the Lord. Stacy and I were talking the other day about, because I'm getting up in the middle of the night all the time, it doesn't bother me. I told her, I can't wait. I go to bed excited <laughs> because I figure at some point he's going to wake me up. But I don't care if it's two, three, four. I don't care. Can you tell I don't care? I don't care. I love it. I love being with him. And he's, he talks to me and I write all this stuff down. And he tells me stuff like have all the women come forward who've heard this voice that keeps telling them you're not good enough. You're not this. You're not that. There's life in his word. Amen. And then the next one, and we'll wrap it up for today. Embrace the health and healing of God's kingdom. Psalm 107.20. He sent His Word and it healed us. 
His word's like medicine. How many of you know if you put the word or put medicine and keep it in your medicine cabinet and never take it where? Never take it in. It does you no good. Same with the word of God. Take it in. Receive it. What do he ask you to do? Do it. It'll be health to you. I'm going to say it again. Jesus never was sick. I can't find anywhere where his disciples were, were sick when they were walking with him. The culture of the kingdom was with them. So he'd go announce the kingdom with God, came to a town, and then they'd what? Bring all the who? All the sick. Because it's a culture of health. Amen. We've missed this in the body of Christ through, unfortunately, a lot of charlatan preachers who took people's money in the name of teaching some kind of healing gospel. The gospel isn't healing. The gospel is the kingdom. And the byproduct is health. Come on. If you live according to the way, you'll be healthy. Amen. Because he'll empower you to forgive instead of holding resentments. Holding resentments like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's dumb. I can say that because I've been there. Okay, no stones for me. But you see what I'm saying? Every principle he taught, every attitude he lived, he didn't just teach it. Can I get a witness? He lived it is life-giving and health-producing for human beings. He doesn't say, Laura, I want you to love your neighbor instead of hate him. Because if you don't, then you're a bad person. No, he loves Laura. He's teaching her the way to health. And that's where we got off track. We tried to make a gospel of healing or a gospel of prosperity or a gospel of this and that. It's the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's what he preached. And the culture of that that kingdom is health. So he sends his word and it heals you. Amen. He tells Derek... Matter right here, if he says, Derek, I, I need you to forgive that person from a few years ago. He sent his word to him. If he acts on it and he forgives, he releases the debt. It's health and healing to him. Does that make sense? Jesus never taught us, here's how you heal somebody. Because, man, miraculous healings, that's where it's at. No, that was simply a byproduct of him demonstrating the culture of health that exists in life on the way. This is why he put, remember, remember the guy at Salome, he told him to wash. He put mud in the guy's eyes. He spit. Made mud balls. <laughs> that was not a formula for you to go out and spit, make mud balls, and take it to your neighbor. Amen, right? How about, he did wet willies one time. He, Took it, he spit on his fingers and plugged the guy's ears. What in the world? Why? Because he's not giving you a formula for healing. He's demonstrating the culture of the Father's kingdom. He's invited us to walk in is health. So he didn't spend all his time teaching how to heal. He taught all his time teaching you how to live healthy. Oh, this is powerful, isn't it? This is powerful. This is the kingdom of God. Go through the B attitudes. Think that's important? The Sermon on the Mount, somewhat important. How blessed, how happy, how envious to be envied. Sorry, not envious. How to be envied are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Blessed are they who mourn, who actually care about what happens to other people. Blessed are the merciful. Those who show mercy instead of grudge. What is he teaching you? The health of the culture of the kingdom of God on the earth.
And it is to be lived here. It is not to be dreamt about when you're dead. It is to be lived here. He never said, repent, sign a card, get water baptized, join a church. When you're dead, you can go to heaven and meet your father in the kingdom. (laughs) Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is a kingdom, life upon the way, that is to be lived in the here and now. And the culture of this kingdom is health. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We could say healthy are the humble, the receptive. That's what he's saying. You, you acknowledge your need of God. Healthy are they who know they need God. Healthy are they who mourn. Healthy are those who show mercy. Healthy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Healthy are you when men revile you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. All of heaven belongs to you. And when does it belong? Now. And where is it present? In the Holy Spirit. If I drive out demons, listen, by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God is present among you. How is the kingdom present in your life? By the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking or religious things. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where is the kingdom present on earth? In the Holy Spirit. That's why the devil works so hard to get the Holy Spirit out of churches and convince men and committees and leaders and church committees to organize and run everything. Remember my friend Charles Bellow, he tells a story. He pastored a vineyard church in Oklahoma City for, I think, 22 years. He was up there preaching one day, and he looked out in the crowd, and he saw Jesus on the front row with his right leg crossed over his left and his fingers interlocked, bored out of his mind. So Charles was smart enough to wait till after church was over and say, Lord, what were you, what were you trying to say? I mean, you're sitting there bored out of your mind. What's going on? He said, Charles, you don't let me do anything. <laughs> well, I'm here to tell you. At Grace Church, Jesus, thou art welcome in this place. Do whatever you want to do. Cast out devils. Heal the sick. Build a culture of heaven on earth. This is a culture to be lived here and now. Not in the hereafter. Well, okay. Not excluding the hereafter. That too. But it starts now. Stand to your feet with me. Look at the worship team. They didn't even come out today. I mean, how many weeks in a row they come out? (laughs) Good job. Hey, good job. (laughs) Aren't they great? They're great. Are we on board? (laughs) What we're talking about, and I realize we're straying away from the series we've been on for 22 weeks in a row, (laughs) the centrality of Jesus, but it all fits. Amen. The king, the kingdom, it's all, it's married beautifully in God's eyes. But we're going to embrace the culture of the kingdom of God. And we're going to forsake the culture of the world. That, that doesn't mean we don't want to help. We are here to help. This is where everybody is who needs our help. But we've got to let Him help us, cure us, empower us, fill us, so we can be a blessing. Amen? This is what has happened. So that's why we're in the refiner's lava pool every week. And if we'll continue to go deep all week long with Jesus, our services will be deep. Does that make sense? Don't, don't be shallow. Get up with Him. Let Him wake you up. Let Him speak to you in your car. Change the station. Get rid of whatever worldly stuff you got on. Don't watch the news for sure. 
Don't watch the news. Get into some good news. <laughs> Amen. Larry, what should we do? Pray a prayer? You got anything? I've been praying all day. Amen. All right, lift your hands with me. Let's just... Lord Jesus, we never want you to be bored in this house, ever. You are welcome to write your name on our heart over and over and over and over again. Fill each and every one. Lord, even those who are texting that are saying, I'm in the altar right now with you all. Lord, fill everybody online. Fill everybody here with the power of the Holy Spirit. We are embracing, devil, listen to us. We are embracing the culture of our Father's kingdom. That we'll no longer look like the world. We won't do it. But we will help the world. We will preach the good news to them. We will bind up the brokenhearted among us, Lord. We will work the works of God as we walk in the ways of God. We will do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, give God praise. If you want to get born again, see me at the front. If you want to be water baptized and rededicate your life to Christ, See me at the front. Otherwise, let's go be a blessing. You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.community.